Father, in the name of Jesus, we again, we again come before you. We ask you to bless the offerings that we've been receiving, whether it's online, by mail, or personally here at church. Bless all the offerings, all the gifts, all the givers, Lord God. Thank you, as, as I reported on Wednesday night, thank you, God, for touching the people of our church and for honoring our church and for blessing our church with financial stability, Lord God. Continue to bless our congregation and the members that support it. And we pray right now for the message here this morning that you would bless it and anoint it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. Very good. Let me read from 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 18 through 26. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 18 through 26. And I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation this morning. New Living Translation, 1 Samuel chapter 2, starting at verse 18, and the Bible says this. But Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord. He wore a linen garment like that of a priest. Each year his mother made a small coat for him and brought it to him when she came with her husband for the sacrifice. Before they returned home, Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord give you other children to take the place of this one she gave to the Lord. And the Lord blessed Hannah, and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Now Eli was very old, but he was aware of what his sons were doing to the people of Israel. He knew, for instance, that his sons were seducing the young women who assisted at the entrance of the tabernacle. Eli said to them, I have been hearing reports from all the people about the wicked things you are doing. Why do you keep sinning? You must stop, my sons. The reports I hear among the Lord's people are not good. If someone sins against another person, God can mediate for the guilty party. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede? But Eli's sons wouldn't listen to their father, for the Lord was already planning to put them to death. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew taller and grew in favor with the Lord and with the people. Again, for those of you that have been with us, we are continuing to look at the life of Samuel, especially as a young boy. And we've been looking at the lives of a number of young men that really, in all sincerity, had to go through some really difficult and painful and hurtful experiences in their life. And yet, as difficult and as challenging as their lives were, they still remained faithful and became great leaders to Almighty God. Okay? And I hope that uh, that any one of these examples, or maybe a few, will be an encouragement to you that no matter what you're going through, or what you're facing, or what you're having to deal with as an individual, never give up on the Lord. Never stop following the Lord. Never stop putting your trust in the Lord. He's with you in the good times and in the bad times. He will be faithful. And in reference to Samuel, we learn that he was, in a sense, an orphan or a like a foster child. You know, it is very hard being an orphan or a foster child. You, you don't have the love and the support and the encouragement of your mom or dad. You are disconnected or separated from all your siblings. You are at the mercy of whatever family you are placed with or, 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 or living with. And we learn that for Samuel, the family that he was placed in or that he was a, now a part of was not a good family. The Bible tells us that, Samuel's, uh, that, that Samuel lived with Eli the priest. The problem was that Eli had two sons, 
and his two sons were scoundrels. They were corrupt. They were wicked. And we learn that the sons of Eli disrespected and abused the sacrifices and offerings of the Lord and that the two sons of Eli also did some horrible things in the house of God. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 12 says this in the New King James Version. It says, Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. However, Samuel, even though he was living in the same house, get this, he was living in the same house as these two other boys, but Samuel was different. The Bible tells us that Samuel took his job working in the house of God, working in Shiloh, the temple of God. He took it very seriously. He followed his orders very seriously. He followed his instructions very carefully. He was obedient to the teachings that he was receiving from Eli the priest. Samuel was obedient to the teaching of Eli, even in the midst of seeing Eli's sons being disobedient and being rebellious and being evil. Even when he saw the problems in the church, even when, when uh, Samuel saw the drama, the sin, the compromise, and even the leaders that were not honoring God, basically, just like you and I, who have a sincere desire to serve God and to be obedient to Him and doing this even when we see other Christians compromising, other Christians sinning or being disobedient and rebellious, but still we keep following God in the midst of all this madness that is going on around us. We keep serving God and being faithful to God if our leaders appear to be compromising. Listen, don't be looking at me. I'm just a man with struggles. and We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Always keep your eyes on Jesus. So many people in the church, they get all messed up because they're focusing on the leader, on the pastor, on his wife, or on their family. Don't be focusing on people. Yes, God has certain people in certain positions to do certain things, but our focus always has to be on Jesus Christ. He's the one that saved us. He's the one that's going to escort us into heaven. He's the one that's blessing us. He's the one that's with us 24-7. I can't be there for you. Your neighbor can't be there for you. Your spouse can't be there for you. Your parents can't be there for you. Worship the one that can be there, and his name is Jesus. And so Samuel is living in a home where there's all kinds of madness and chaos and sin and depravity going on. This was what Samuel was going through and how he was being raised. Samuel was learning the importance of obedience. No matter what was going on around him, he was being obedient. No matter what other influences there were, he was being obedient. No matter what other temptations or obstacles or allurements or outside pressures or distractions uh, in and outside of the church, Samuel was being obedient. Even though it seemed that God wasn't watching and that the sons of Eli were getting away with sin, Samuel was still obedient. Isn't it frustrating for some of us who are Christians striving to be, uh, striving to follow God faithfully and we see other people and maybe sometimes sadly even other Christian people that seem to be doing things that they're not supposed to do and it seems like nothing goes wrong, seems like everything's good, it seems like they're blessed and here we are trying to serve God to the best of our ability, staying away from those things that we know grieve God and yet all the these things keep happening to us. Well, listen, David the psalmist said the same thing. God, why do the wicked prosper? And here I am trying to serve you, and I'm all messed up. That doesn't seem right. But then God said, remember, David, you're on your way to heaven, and they're on their way to hell. Pray for them. Don't get mad at them. Don't get irritated with them. Don't have an attitude with them. Pray for them. 
you're going to heaven. And if they don't straighten up, they're going to go to hell. Think about that. So Samuel, even though it seemed that God wasn't watching and that the sons of Eli were getting away with sin, Samuel stayed obedient to God. Even if his friends didn't support or follow, he was obedient to God. Even if the leaders appeared to sin or compromise, Samuel still was obedient. Even if he saw no fruit or didn't see any positive results of his faithfulness and of his service to God, it didn't matter. Even if the work that he did was tedious or didn't make any sense, Samuel remained obedient to God no matter what. We see that Samuel was faithful and obedient concerning his priestly duties for years. For years he was faithful. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 11, New Living Translation. That then Elkanah, which is his dad, returned home to Ramah without Samuel, and the boy served the Lord by assisting Eli the priest. 1 Samuel 2, 18. But Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord. He wore a linen garment like that of a priest. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 26, more time passes. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew taller and grew in favor with the Lord and with the people. More time passes. First Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. Samuel was remaining faithful and serving God in Shiloh with Eli the priest. Samuel was faithful in his service for God for years, for years. And while Samuel was busy serving the Lord in Shiloh for years and being faithful to God, God gave Hannah, Samuel's mom, five more children. Remember Hannah? Hannah was Samuel's mom. Remember Hannah? She was the one that was always being teased by Penina, being mocked by Penina because Hannah was not able to have any children. She was not able to have any kids. And Penina was her rival and would intentionally provoke her, intentionally antagonize her, intentionally try to give her a bad time and torment her. Listen, I admire Hannah because, man, if that would have been me, I would have punched somebody out. But Hannah... Remain faithful to God. And God gave her five more kids. 1 Samuel 2.21, And the Lord blessed Hannah, and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, Samuel grew up in the presence of of the Lord. So Samuel was still living like an orphan. He didn't get to know his three brothers or his two sisters because they were with mom and dad doing their thing with mom and dad. In the meantime, Samuel was serving the Lord in Shiloh. So we see here that the years passed and every day Samuel would follow the same routine. His day began beginning with prayer. He would go before the Lord to make sure his own life was right. He would study the word of God, learning the instructions of the Lord. He studied the law of the Lord. He sanctified himself with the blood of the sacrifice. He accepted the daily sacrifice from the people as instructed in the book of Leviticus. The, he, he would slaughter the sacrifice. He prepared the sacrifice. He offered the sacrifice unto the Lord on behalf of the people day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. The same thing. The same routine. Obedience. If no one else was doing the right thing, it didn't matter. Samuel chose to do the right thing anyway because he wanted to be obedient. Even if he was alone in being faithful, it didn't 
didn't matter. He was being obedient. Samuel possibly getting teased by Eli's sons, getting mocked, being tormented. Hey, Samuel, come with us. Hey, Samuel, come do us. Come party with us. Come, come do this thing with us. And Samuel said, no, no, no. I got to be obedient and I got to serve my God. Samuel possibly getting challenged by boredom, taking shortcuts. Did I say boredom? Is it possible to come to church and actually be bored? Yes, it is. I hate to break your heart, but it is. Taking shortcuts, questioning methodology, tempted to find shortcuts, fighting laziness. Is it possible to be a Christian and love with Jesus and be lazy? Yes, it is. Making excuses and compromising and just being physically tired. But no matter what he faced, Samuel was obedient. Samuel did not realize it, but he was being tested by the Lord. He was being watched by the Lord. Psalm chapter 33, verse 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy. Do you know that God has got his eye on you? God has got his eye on you, church. If I could say your names individually, I would say he's got his eyes on you and on you and on you and on you and on me. And on you watching online, don't think that because I don't see you, that God doesn't see you. God sees you, what you're doing right now. He knows if you're sneaking a snack right now out of the refrigerator. He knows if you're checking the football game scores. Don't be eating those pancakes in front of you. How dare you eat those pancakes in front of me? God sees you right now. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Jeremiah 17, 10. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Listen, obedience is very important to our God. 1 Samuel 15, 22. Those of you that have been raised in church or you know your Bibles well enough, you know this is a very familiar section of verse of Scripture in 1 Samuel 15, 22. But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord? your burnt offerings and sacrifices, or your obedience to his voice. Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than the offering, the fat of rams. Listen, we can come in here and we can raise our hands up to God and worship and praise, and that's a good thing. We can come in here and get on our knees and seek the face of God in prayer and repentance, and that's a good thing. But if we walk out of these doors and we live a disobedient life, then all this is for nothing. Obedience is the key. You want to worship God? Obey Him. You want to praise and give glory to God? Obey Him. Do what's right. And you will give glory to God. Is it easy? Of course not. When you feel alone, you are obedient. When you are hurting, you still choose to be obedient. When you are frustrated, you still choose to be obedient. When you're angry or hurt or discouraged or fearful or even physically sick, or even in the hospital, it doesn't matter. You are still choosing to be obedient. I hope I don't embarrass you, Christy, but I'm so blessed to see you here today. 
you, you're, uh, you know, she, uh, sadly, she does have this cancer and, and it's taken the strength out of her. And yet, you know what? I called, I just happened to call her on Wednesday night. She's been on my mind, on my heart. I wanted to just, and man, she encouraged me. She was preaching to me. She was giving hope to me. She is the one that's suffering. And here I am. She's preaching to me. And here she is in church. Now, let me just say this. If you are home, and you're home because you don't want to be vulnerable to the virus and the corona thing, and you want to protect yourself, that is a legit excuse. I have no problem with that. Everything's cool. But if you're home because you're being lazy, and you don't want to come to church, shame on you. Shame on you. If the Holy Spirit told you this morning you need to go to church and you say, I'm too lazy, God. I'm too lazy. I'm so tired. I was up all night last night doing the cha-cha-cha all night and I'm tired now, God. Come on, God. You know, you know I work hard for my money and I party hard and now you want me to get up early and go to church? Uh, who, uh, who cares about you? Well, Pastor Jerry, he's boring. It's just, I'll just fall asleep, God. Shame on you. Obedience. When you're taken advantage of and you're hurt, you obey God anyway. When you are mocked and criticized, you obey God anyway. When you are tempted and weak, you obey God anyway. When you suffer loss, you obey God anyway. When you are prospering and successful and you still obey God in your success, in your prosperity. Listen, prosperity and success is good, but if it takes you away from God, then you are failing God. You see, church, you can be an orphan or a foster child with absolutely no support or love or family. You can live in a home where there is chaos and rebellion and sin and compromise, but you can still choose of your own free will to obey God. You can still choose to obey God. And yet the Bible tells us something very shocking in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 7. Listen to what it says here. It says, Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had, he had never had a message from the Lord before. I'm, living, learning, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I'm so used to New King James. When I read some of these verses, it just gets my tongue twisted a little bit because I'm so used to New King James. But isn't this an amazing statement? It says, Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. Samuel had... No personal testimony of the power of God working in his life. He was obedient. He was doing all the right things. He was in church all the time, serving God all the time, doing all the right things, learning all the right things, reading all the right things, studying all the right things. And yet the Bible says he had no personal testimony of the reality and the power of God in his life. 
He was doing what he was doing simply because he was told to do it by his teacher, Eli. He was following orders simply because he was submitting to the instructions given to him. But yet, he had no personal experience, no personal revelation, no personal testimony of the reality and the power of God except for what he had heard or what had been told by others. Yet Samuel was not expecting anything. He had never seen any miracles, nor was he expecting or asking for any. He had not no extraordinary or supernatural experiences. And yet he was not asking for any. He was walking by faith and serving the Lord simply because God was God and he wanted to honor God for who he was. Are you getting what I'm saying here this morning, church? So many people put, what is that word, that term? Put conditions on God. God, if you do this for me, then I will serve you. God, if you answer this prayer, then I will serve you. God, if you, uh, if you give me this miracle, then I'll give you my life. But Samuel said, no, 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 no. I don't need any of that. I'm going to serve God simply because he is God. Whether he does anything for me or he doesn't do anything for me, I'm still going to serve God. Whether he heals me or doesn't heal me, I'm still going to serve God. Whether he gives me a job or doesn't give me a job, I'm still going to serve God. Whether I get married or don't get married, I'm going to still serve God. Even if I'm in a miserable relationship, in a miserable marriage, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to serve God. Even if my kids are all messed up, my life is all messed up, my health is all messed up, everyone's all messed up, I don't care. I'm still going to serve God. No condition. That's Samuel's attitude. No conditions. God is God, and I'm going to serve him. And I'm going to obey him. Period. What he chooses to do with me, let him do it. Let his will be done in my life. Samuel made up his mind to serve God no matter what. Samuel locked his will to obey and follow God. He did not need to validate his service by seeing signs or visions or miracles. He was simply following the word of God because it was the word of God. Now, do I believe in signs and wonders? Yes. Do I believe in visions? Yes. Do I believe in miracles? Yes. But do I need him to serve God? No. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible says this. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now, in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. It was just simple obedience and discipline. Call it routine. Call it going through the motions. Call it whatever you want. But he was following instructions faithfully. That's what many of you did here this morning. You may have been tired. You may have been bored. You may have been preoccupied. But out of pure obedience and out of pure discipline, you got yourself out of bed. You got yourself cleaned up. You got yourself some nice clothes. You came to church because God is God. I often think of the new converts or children or young people who have been raised in the church. They grew up in the church. They are being taught by their parents. They are being taught by their Sunday school teachers. They go to youth group. They're just simply learning how to be obedient to the teachings of Jesus Christ. Now, you saw one example of one of our young people here. Robert, he was playing his guitar like a mariachi up here. Okay? But he was worshiping Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay? I I saw him when he was born. And he has been raised in this church. This is all he knows. 
This is his whole life. That's just one example of, of many examples. And they go to youth group and they are just simply learning how to be obedient to the teachings of Jesus Christ. Simply serving God simply because that's what they have been taught. Serving God simply because that's all they know. Going to church out of routine. Going to church uh, out, out of, out of uh, uh, habit. But nevertheless, they are faithfully being obedient. Honoring their parents, honoring their church leaders. Even though they see Pastor Jerry messing up here and messing up there, it doesn't matter because his eyes and their eyes are focused on Jesus. And yes, Pastor Jerry is going to make mistakes. And Pastor Jerry is not perfect. I hate to break your heart, but that's just the reality of the situation. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Honoring their church leaders in spite of their faults. Honoring the Lord. Never really having gone through any personal experience with God. They know there is a God. They believe in God. They are following God. But they do it out of obedience. They never really experience the power of God. Why? Because God has protected them. God has covered them. God has shielded them from a lot of madness and a lot of chaos and a lot of pain and a lot of hurt that the world dishes out to those who are wicked. Aren't you glad that you're serving God under his umbrella of protection church but it's when we're in trouble and we cry out to God in a very desperate situation that we get to experience the power of God now fortunately for those kids that are raised in the church and that are following God a lot of drama doesn't come their way and you guys need to thank God for that because drama is painful. Drama hurts. Drama humbles you. It breaks you down. You don't want to go through that stuff. You don't want to find yourself hooked on heroin or hooked on cocaine or pregnant or suicidal or depressed or out there DUI and in prison or in jail or a, or a rec. You don't want to find yourself in that kind of situation. That's what happens when we don't obey God. Those kind of things happen. Are you guys following me now? Okay? So we have people that are doing all the right things, but they still don't know God. They see people speaking in tongues and interpreting tongues. They hear of the Bible stories and the power of God. They hear of the Red Sea crossing, the walls of Jericho falling down, Daniel and the lion's den, David and Goliath, the Shekinah glory filling the temple in the days of Solomon, fire coming down from the sky on the altar, Ezekiel, Isaiah, and the apostle John having visions of heaven. They see people speaking in tongues, as I've said. They see people slain in the spirit, but God has not yet personally revealed himself to them in, the, in any specific way. Samuel was be, busy reading the Bible. He was busy learning the Bible, memorizing scriptures in the Bible, receiving certificates and awards from church, participating in the song service, participating in helping leaders, learning how to offer sacrifices, learning how to offer offerings, learning how to serve God, but yet not having any personal revelation. He made a decision to live a holy life, a separated life. He made up his mind that he was not going to go to the parties, not going to do the drugs, not going to go to the bad music or the bad movies, not going to have sex out of marriage, not going to 
date people who are not Christians. We may go through loneliness, suffer persecution, suffer criticism, dealing with hurt and being left out. We may not see any fruit or results from our labor. We may not receive any recognition for our faithfulness or labor. We may not receive any respect from people. We see others around us compromising, rebelling, being carnal and worldly. We see others having a bad attitude and complaining. We see others abusing the sacrifices and not being obedient to the instructions of the Lord. But still, we remain steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, always remaining faithful to our God, obedient to the Lord, whether we realize it or not. Our God is watching. The Lord is searching. The Lord is testing the hearts of His saints. Yes, even in 2020, even in these crazy days that we're living in, He is still looking for those faithful men and women of God who are choosing to put their faith and trust in Almighty God and not in this world. The Lord is preparing us for great revelations and experiences that can come only from God. What you heard a little while ago of the testimony of Tony and Terry and these police officers finding those individuals and finding that gun. That is a God thing, my friend. Those are the things that God can do for you. Are they paying a price? Yes, they're hurting inside. Tony and they're, they're, they're crushed. Their boy's gone. But in the midst of their horrible loss and pain, here they are in church, choosing to still stay faithful and be obedient to Almighty God. Does anyone have an excuse not to be here? Yes, they, they do. They can be bitter, they can get angry. Christy can get bitter, and she can get angry, and she can get an attitude. Oh, shine God, man. Look at me. He's not doing nothing for me. But no, they're here in church. I say the same thing for you. In spite of whatever you may be going through, whatever torment you're going through in your mind, you're here in church. You give glory to God. You are praising God. You are to be, you are to be commended for that because you did not allow the enemy to stop you from being faithful to the Lord. Next week, we're going to discover what the fruit of obedience brings to us, what the rewards of obedience brings. The Bible makes this amazing, amazing statement in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 7. After years of obedience, after years of service to our God, Samuel receives this word. It says here in 1 Samuel 3, 7, Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. But guess what, church? Samuel is about to have a personal encounter with Almighty God. And we're going to hear about that next week. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, only you know, Lord, what is going on in the hearts of every individual that is sitting in this sanctuary right now. You know all the conflicting thoughts, all the conflicting passions and desires and emotions and hurts and pains and good and bad and temptations. You see and you know everything, Lord. Search our hearts, O oh God. We give you permission to search our hearts. Those that are watching online, Lord Jesus, help them 
to humble themselves before you. If you're here this morning and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. If that's you here this morning, just lift up your hand. Those of you that are watching online, if you are tired of running your own program, doing things your own way, running away from God, avoiding God, resisting God, having an attitude with God, if you're tired of all that, and you're ready to surrender, I want you to say this prayer with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you, and I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. I recognize that I am a sinner, and you, Jesus, are the only one that can remove that sin. So I come before you, and I receive you, Jesus Christ, into my heart. Be my Lord, be my King, be my God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And now I'm going to ask those of you that are here this morning, if the Holy Spirit has touched you and there's certain things that God is speaking to you about that you need to be obedient with. You've been struggling with God or fighting God or having a tug of war with God and today the Holy Spirit is saying be obedient. Obey what God is telling you to do. If you feel that tug in your heart that God is challenging you to trust Him by faith to obey Him to do a certain thing lift up your hand right now so that we can pray for you right now. And if those of you, I'm going to even say this, if you want to come up to the altar, you feel free to come up to the altar. Just kind of keep your distancing, but that's fine. But right now, I just want to pray for you. If you want to come up to the altar, you feel comfortable coming up. I'm going to pray a general prayer for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us, Lord God, to receive these challenges that you are putting forth right now in our hearts. Even those that are at home right now, God, help them to receive these challenges to obey you to obey you, even though they're hurting, even though the circumstances are overwhelming, even though it may not make any sense, even though it goes beyond common sense, help us, Lord God, to be willing to trust that you are God and that you are powerful and that you will do what you say that you're going to do, even if it seems that all the odds are against us. Help us to obey you, God. Help us to obey you so that we can know you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said amen God bless you church Lord willing we'll see you tonight if you can join us online for prayer we need to pray our nation needs a lot of prayer so please pray for our country okay God bless you